Hey, welcome back to the Breathe Free podcast. We have another amazing episode planned today with one of my favorite members of the Breathe Free family. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Breathe Free podcast, where we get to know the people of Breathe Free. So strap in as we talk to the top healthcare providers in the country. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, take a moment and let's breathe free. This is the Breathe Free Podcast with your host, Matt Gannam. Welcome back to another episode of the Breathe Free Podcast, where we get to know people of, the people of Breathe Free. And I'm your host, Matt Gannam. Before I introduce today's guest, make sure to give us a follow on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to leave us a review and let us know what you're thinking of the content. And now, on the show today... We welcome Todd Tomlinson, National Vice President of Operations for National Breathe Free Sinus and Allergy Centers. Todd has really helped SoCal Breathe Free and Delray MD, both Dr. Hershkovitz and Dr. Sagari, get everything rocking and rolling since he's been on board. On top of that, he's played an integral role in bringing SoCal Breathe Free's second clinic to San Diego, which comes on board in Q1 of 2024. We're so lucky and excited to not only have Todd on board, but on this podcast today. Uh, welcome to the show, Todd. My brother, thank you for having me, man. This is a, a dream come true. I feel like I've officially made it. Even though I had to pay you to have me on here, um, I'm, I'm honored and lucky and looking forward to speaking to you today. Yeah, I didn't get that Venmo. We'll have to, I'll send you a request. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. All right. All right. Uh, yeah. Thanks for some time. Thanks for your time today. I know it's probably a pretty busy day today for you. You guys got a lot of things cooking down there um, between all three of the clinics at Delray and then Dr. Hershkovitz. Um, so we'll get right into it. Um, I'm going to ask some questions today about some work-related stuff. And obviously, I've known you for a long time, since about, I think, I think 2015. Um, it was like, yeah, 2014, I think. 2014, interviewed yes, you sir. at the LAX Hilton. That's right. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so I've uh, known you for a long time, so I know a lot about you. So I'll, I'll weave some personal stuff into there, probably as well. Um, and then, if obviously, at the end, if there's any questions you have for me, uh, more than, more than uh, happy to take them. Uh, what piqued your curiosity about potentially partnering with Breathe Free? I know we we talked about it for a long time over the years before it actually happened. So what 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 made you finally make the jump? Yeah, this is uh, man, this is loaded. As you know, um, I'm not sure everybody else knows, but I was at a situation before Breathe Free that was it was a good one. To to be honest with you, I was happy. Um, I was the VP of Sales at another company with with great people, and. You know, at the time, you, you and I and, and even Taylor were talking for quite a while. And aside from your, your persistence, um, I got to a point in my career where I hadn't reached, I'm not going to say the, the, the pinnacle. I'd been in sales and sales leadership for a long time, but I just felt like I wasn't growing um, as much as I probably wanted to. And that wasn't because of the company I was at. It was just because of the position I was in. And I felt like coming to Breathe Free would allow me to to grow in a lot of ways and really push me out of my comfort zone, which is something you know we, we talk about a lot um, back in the sales days, but, but just in general of, of where growth happens. And I felt like this would allow me, allow me to do that, but, but to grow as a person, there's so many things in my short period of time here that, that I've learned. I think I've learned more in these last seven months than I'd learned in the last, you know, four to five years. And I saw what you had built over here, you and, and Taylor and everybody else. And, you know, it, it was appealing. And for me, it's, it's always about the people. It's always been that way. And I was with great people at the last, 
the last company, but you know, you had a, afforded me my my first opportunity within sales, and you know, and I, I just felt like you know something to be said with with going through this process, you know, with your friends and being around people that can make you better, and that was my, you know, really the crux of of my decision was you know t- taking a risk and a, and a leap of faith in in a job that that would make me better. I appreciate that the honesty there. I know it's it's obviously you were in a great spot. I mean, you, you, the, the team that you had built out there was, I mean, obviously I've met some of those folks, great people, obviously super successful, everyone. I mean, everyone was killing it over there. Um, and obviously I know Tom and Brandon really well that you worked with over there. I mean, we were, I worked with them you know, probably a little bit less time than you have, but known them for a long time. They're great. So obviously there were some great folks. I know obviously you had Bob on your board, who I know pretty well. So great leadership there. Uh, so I appreciate the, the candor there. I mean, obviously, you know, coming on board here, just learning so many different types of things. I mean, it's just not like you didn't get the chance in your old role. It's just completely different. Right. So, um, what, what's something that surprised you in the last seven months that, you know, a few things, or maybe something you learned that you didn't think you would learn since you've been on. Yeah. Yeah. To your point, and even in my old, old job, every month, every quarter, there's different challenges that you're faced with that you have to kind of figure out and problem solve. And that, that continues to sharpen your sword and make you better. But for here, well, what surprised me, and you kind of touched on it in you know a podcast earlier, was just everything I didn't know within what it took to run a medical practice. I had no idea when we used to sell the medical practices, and you had touched on it. We would just go in there and you know tell tell people to use our device because it was great for patients. But just the intricacies and you know all, all the important roles and and all the functions having to operate as one, I had no idea. Um, in addition to that, one thing that really surprised me, and the one thing I thought, honestly, I was going to miss out on by coming here was the culture aspect of it. I thought by coming aboard that I was going to miss that piece that I had over at Biotissue with, with Tom and Brandon and those folks. I just thought that I, I didn't know if I didn't know it was possible in, in a situation like this within medicine. But what surprised me was the culture that was was built here. And I was pleasantly surprised. I just didn't think I was going to have it. I thought that was the one thing that I was going to not have by coming here. And um, I was I was dead wrong there. So the culture is something that's so important to me. And it's a buzzword, but it's it's the truth. It's it's everything when it comes to a job. I didn't think it was going to be as strong as it was. So um, I was surprised that I was able to keep that in this position. That's a good perspective. It, it It's super, I mean, it's paramount. Obviously it's not easy, but it's paramount. Um, um, just being able to create an environment where everyone's happy, um, hopefully happy to come to work. People enjoy being here, you know, minim, minimal turnover, things to look forward to, whether it's Christmas parties or, or our annual meeting, um, you know, Zooms. Like I know we have, we have our cadence now where it's, there's weekly calls with, with each, with each clinic, but we have the regional calls every other week. So there's just a good opportunity to stay connected, um, especially with some folks that we've known for a long time. So it's, it's exciting to see more folks come into that fold and just get to know a lot more people. Um, it's paramount to me. So I'm glad that you see that because that was something that was a focus for a long time. How do we create the environment we had? You know what I mean? How do we create the environment we had at Intellis that made it so successful? Um, so, you know, I appreciate that. Um, What's your, uh, changing gears a little bit, what's your, what's your favorite patient success story or what's one that like kind of, you know, maybe the first one where you were like, wow, okay. You know, it's different to see it on this side. Yeah. Um, talk through that. 
Well, there's a couple, but let me think. Well, I'll give you one. One that stands out actually is um, a friend of mine had the procedure done and he, he had hit me up out of the blue and was like, I'm, dude, I'm suffering and I've dealt with this for a while. Is, is what you do over there, can this help me? And I'm just like, yeah, dude, we've talked about this a thousand times. Like, obviously, you know, just give it a shot. So um, he came and he got the procedure done. And, you know, I saw him. I wasn't there for, for his, his post-op uh, visit, but I saw him in the gym about four weeks after. And he was rebounding for his son. And he came up to me and he's like, I haven't been able to do this in, in so long for as long. He was sweating and... He said, I haven't been able to, to work out this, you know, this long and been able to rebound for my kid. And this kid's a great basketball player. And he's like, we've been out here for an hour and a half. And I'm not kidding you, man. Like this, this has changed everything. And the reason why that hit me so hard is because growing up, like my fondest memories and the ones I hold closest to me was when my dad was out there rebounding for me because I was a basketball player. And um, that meant so much to me with me and my dad. And those are the memories I'll I'll have forever and some of the best times we had. And just the fact that after the procedure, he was able to do that on a more consistent basis with with his son, um, you know, meant, meant a lot. And I thought that was, you know, just real cool. And it wasn't fluff and it wasn't him just saying that to, to try to make me feel good. You could see it in his face. And um, I was just glad that we were able to help him and, and hopefully bring that bond with him and his son closer together because I know how much that meant to me when I was a kid. And, um, you know, I know it, it means a lot to his son. So the fact that the procedure was able to do that, um, just, just goes such a long way that the impact is so it just goes beyond what you would think. Right. So, um, I think that was my favorite one. Cause it was a friend of mine and, uh, it, it really kind of hit home. So that was, that was a really cool story. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's pretty powerful. It's funny that you say that because that resonates with me for a completely different reason. And I, I, that's an experience that I never had. So um, hearing that is like, that's kind of crazy that, that, that this thing, and obviously like, you know, we, we, we've been a part of, you know, these office based procedures for nearly 10 years, or even for me, maybe a little bit longer than 10. And we hear these stories, but the fact that, you know, this person, they've discussed it with you multiple times, and then you get to see it on the back end. That's just, that's so impactful that that's something so simple and so easy that, you know, that maybe in another clinic, they wouldn't get offered outside of one of our clinics or a handful of others. And, and it changed his life so meaningfully that it, that it'll maybe change his relationship with him and his son. You know, obviously his son's older now, right? If he's, if he's rebounding for him. So probably not a whole lot of time that he's still going to be in the, in, in the house. So change right. those last few years that he had with him, man. So that's, that's, thank you for sharing that with everyone. That's, that's, you know, that's why we, that's why we get up and do this thing every day. So, um, thank you. Um, as you transitioned, obviously, I know I know a little bit about your family. Um, I don't know them. Um, what what did they think when you told them, "Hey, I have this great role. You know, I'm flying all over the place. I'm doing all these dinners, like we're crushing it, but I'm not going to do it anymore, and I'm going to leave and go <laughs> work for this ENT clinic." Uh, what 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 uh, how did that go? And what did they say? Yeah, my family's funny, man. I, I think uh, you know when I was younger. I didn't, I never wanted advice, right? I, I only wanted advice when they would agree with what I was thinking, you know? Um, so my, my, they're, they're so supportive. I have the, the best family, um, the best parents and the best people around me. Um, and they're just supportive. And honestly, when I, when it comes to decision-making, it's all rooted in, you know, what they instilled in me growing up anyway, right? So um, it, when, I, when I told them this, 
I think they always just want to know if it's going to make me happy. Um, and I think they, they trust in me and, and believe in me. And I've always been, I don't know, I've always kind of shot from the hip, meaning that I've always kind of made decisions sporadically. This one I definitely sat on um, for a bit and just wanted to be in my own thoughts. But when I told them about the opportunity and they obviously know about you, Matt, and I think that uh, there's always a level of comfort with, with people that care about me when they know I'm, I'm going to work with, with people that have helped me along the way and people that I know, right? And it was kind of the same when I went to, to biotissue. But when they heard about this, they, they know that uh, they know me. I, I, I'm going to figure it out, but they knew how good of an opportunity it was, um, you know, if it involved you all. So they're just supportive and happy for me. Um, so I, I'm really lucky in that regard. Yeah, I saw uh, that picture of you and Pops at, at Carbone. He was he was putting that pasta down, man. Yeah, he yeah. Thanks again for for that. You know, we felt like celebrities going in there. Um, and and the waiter was like, "Welcome back." And I'm like, "I've never been here." You probably think I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, Carbone in New York. My dad is New York through and through. You know, born and raised out in New York. So um, it was it, it was it was Pops's birthday. So you know, he was uh he was very grateful. Um. And again, the stuff like that, man, be able to be in Carbone in New York with my dad and things like that or stuff, you know, uh, you know, won't, won't forget. So, you know, thanks again for that. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, it's his spot now. Now he always talks about Carbone. So yeah, we, we got to get him in there again. We got to get him in there again. Yeah. They're opening, they're opening here, um, in Arizona, I think in like a year. I mean, what's so, up? Why not LA? They're another one. New I don't know, York. man. They don't have, they have restaurants like all over Florida, New York. At Vegas, they got like the, the breakfast jam, Sedels. They got a bunch of other spots. They actually opened a, a membership only one in Hudson Yards in New York. There's a Carbone. There's something else called ZZ's, and then there's this other one. I don't I don't even know if it has a name. And supposedly you just tell them what you want 48 hours in advance, and they'll make you anything. And it's invite only, and you have to pay like I don't know what the membership fee is, but it's like a country club kind of fee. So. They're opening all over. I'm not sure why they're not in California because they're not at all, any of them. So yeah, they're like Dubai and Hong Kong and yeah. Singapore and all kinds of stuff. And they're not they're not in LA, which is strange. I just have um, to go to Arizona, man. That's it. That's it. Yes, You're, is your dad a Jets fan too? He's the reason I am a Jets fan. So the misery, and anybody that knows me know we're diehard Jets fans in this like debacle. Like I love my dad, right? My best friend, but the fact that he made me a Jets fan is like unforgivable. It's been a nightmare. So he's born and raised in Queens and it's a borough thing, right? I guess if you're from Queens, you're a Jets fan. So he is the reason I'm a Jets fan. So we, we suffer together, together, but I'll never forgive him for what this has put me through. So yeah, it's, he's, he's a Jeff fan. What does he think about uh, Aaron Rodgers ripping the ball already after two months? I saw him like pushing off his back leg pretty hard this weekend and getting the ball out there pretty far. It's special, man. You know, anything's possible. That's that's the that's the good thing about sports. And uh, you know, it's it's impossible until somebody does it, but it gives us hope. And then when you're a Jet fan, that's all you can cling on to is hope. Because you can't cling on to like wins or like playoff bursts and it's hope. It's all you got. So um that's our guy. So we were we're anxiously waiting for, for Rogers to, to yeah. get back and to save us. You gotta find a way to get to the playoffs. He says he, he says he can play, man. Hey. They're asking him, and he's like, I'm not saying no, pretty much. Bro, so. him, him in a wheelchair is better than Zach Wilson, so um, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll give you Jimmy Garoppolo for free. We'll play, I'll pay take him it, whatever. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want that. Right. <laughs> what, uh, um, what, uh, what, what were your thoughts on our uh, 
our uh, meeting in Miami. I mean, it was it, it was our third one, and it, it was not too long after you started. So it was your first sort of introduction to to everything outside of D.C. and some of the stuff in Arizona or, or, or your clinics in California. Again, when you think about culture, when you think about kind of medicine, you don't think about that. So when I was there, I thought it was amazing. It felt like the old days at Intellis or it felt like, you know, where I was before at, at Biotissue. It was just an amazing experience and something that you think about it, it makes sense. But in medicine, you don't, you don't see it a lot. So I obviously believe that with anything, medicine should be a collaborative process. So getting everybody together in, in Miami and celebrating the hard work of um, the APPs and the physicians and all they had done throughout the year. Um, it's important. People deserve to get celebrated in the amount of people that, you know, we've helped. And uh, I thought it was awesome and get to know people, uh, coworkers and people that I've since leaned on to help make me better. Cause again, that's, that's important to me is surrounding myself with people that can make me better. And, um, I saw that when I was there. So being there, I think it was great for me for that to happen so quickly after I started, cause it opened my eyes to be like, all right, this is where, this is where I, this is where I should be. This is where I'm supposed to be. So, um, it, it was great. And I can't wait for, uh, for this year in, in Dallas. So looking forward to that. And yeah, man, we're only like four, what, five, six months out and, uh, working on some, some good stuff for it. So we'll see if I can't get what I want to happen to happen. Not hundred okay. percent sure I can yet, but knowing you, man, it's, you know, knowing it, you, we're going to have, you know, I don't know who will, the Dallas Mavericks are going to perform for us or something crazy. I don't know. Yeah. You'll have, you'll have a uh, Luca speak. Um, no, no, it'll, it'll, it'll be, it'll be special. It'll, it'll be impactful. That's all I know for sure. I'm working on something good. So we'll see. Um, I don't know where you're going to go with this question. I have one thing that I'm asking you this for a reason. So if you don't, I'll just ask you about it afterwards. Cause I think it's a, it's a really crazy story. And I don't, I don't know that anyone else would have heard a story like this before. Um, right. what's, the, what's the hardest thing you've had to overcome? Oh, um, it's a good question. And I think about a couple of things when I think about maybe what's kind of shaped me is say around the time I was graduating college, I was pretty lost at the time, you know, at the time too, my parents split like later in life, it was fine, but you know, they split. So they're having their issues. And, you know, one of my parents was dealing with their own issues and demons at the time, I'm not demons and substance abuse or whatever you want to call it. And I graduated and then I was kind of like, now what? I had no plan at all. I had no plan. I was actually just got out of a, a relationship too. So I got home and home didn't really feel like home. And then you're, it, it's different. I was a basketball player in my whole life. That's all that mattered. Now I graduated and basketball's over and things kind of pan out the way you think they are. And now I have no plan. Um, you know, you see people in your family struggling and having a hard time and you have no idea what's next. And maybe people that you used to be cool with aren't around anymore. Um, used to be the man, right? You're playing college basketball. Now, you know, I'm working a telemarketing job with no type of direction and was just pretty miserable and had to figure out what I was going to do and what, what path I was going to take. And everything just changed for me at that time. And you start doing stuff you shouldn't be doing and 
you're you're partying, having a good time, and not taking stuff serious, and you think you're happy, but you're really miserable. And during that time, I just didn't know what was next for me, and didn't have a lot of people to lean on at that time. So, um, you know, that was that was difficult, and not to get morbid um, either. But around that time, I had witnessed you know somebody get killed, and everything just stopped making sense for me. It was just very, it was very bizarre. Um, and I just didn't have an idea of what I wanted to do next. I probably just wasn't prepared. And I think everybody probably runs into this where there's an instant, um, a situation where you kind of realize like, oh, this is like life for real. And this is the real world. And, you know, things can happen in the blink of an eye and you got to figure stuff out. So for me, there was a year or two where I was just kind of in this weird, just unhappy, dark, like just place of uncertainty. And um, I think probably coming out of that was the 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 hardest thing I'd overcome. Um, so kind of loaded, but it was wasn't one thing. It was a period of time in my life that was that was hard to deal with. Okay. So that was probably like 2005, 2006. Mm -hmm. Yep. So how'd, how'd you get from there? That's that place you were in that you just described to you probably started working in pharma, probably like 2008, 2009, give or take. Mm -hmm. Yep. How, how, what, how, what was that progression like? The progression was, you know, I, I spoke of in my dad's the, the strongest person I know. I saw him, you know, he, he dealt with things. I saw him quit cold Turkey. And then you look in the mirror, it's like, are you going to, Maybe a, a punk and wine and woe is me and feel sorry for yourself. Or are you going to, you know, figure this out? Like, do you want more for yourself and who you're surrounding yourself with? I think there's always a time where you're sitting around with friends and you look at those friends and you're like, what are these guys really doing? Uh, am I, are they making me better? And you got to tell them like, look, I, I love you guys, but I, I got to remove myself from this. And, you know, seeing the strength of, my dad and other people around me, um, you know, you know, motivated me. And then I'm like, I need more. I need to figure this out and figure it out quick. And then I spoke to a lot of people and that's where I kind of found a path in medicine, at least medical sales to where I, I've always been driven and motivated by competition. And I knew I was never going to find the same level of that without playing sports but I found within, you know, medicine and sales, I could have that. So after talking to people, I figured that would be a, a path for me. And that's how kind of how I found, you know, medical sales. And after that happened, things started to change for me. And I, I started to pick up habits that would kind of lead to the rest of my life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My, my, mine's similar, man. I went through a spot where I was just like sitting there and I'm like, I can't get out of this. Like, I'm just, you know, and I'm just it's sitting there and it's, it's, it's all everyone else's fault. You know, why, why, why is this happening to me? And then at a certain point, you just gotta, I mean, you have to snap out of it and, and realize that you have a lot of control and you, and you can change the situation. You could change the outcome if you, if you do the right things, you know what I mean? No so doubt. I, I've there, been there completely until I got into my first role, really second role, maybe at Intellis probably until um, I really started to realize that like, you know, I actually am really good something and I can, I can grow and I could do a lot of things that I wasn't sure that I could do a few years back, even though I always had confidence in myself. And I was always pretty much successful at most of the things I did, but 
you know, when you're not getting the output you want, whether it's financially or from a career growth standpoint or learning, you know, you don't feel successful, even though in your little pocket, you're probably successful. Like you were probably a good telemarketer, but that doesn't mean that you think you're going to be, that, that you feel great about it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, okay. I appreciate that. Where I was, where I was going to ask you, there's a couple things. There's a couple things I want to blow you up on, but the one thing that, that tell us about um, when you were, you were at the Navy. Um, I think, I think you had a, a full, a full, a full scholarship to play basketball there. And, yep. um, and, uh, you know, obviously you decided that right before you, I think it was a permanent commitment. You wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. And, and so tell us a little bit about what that process was like and, and the things that you were doing in the, in, in the interim before you got to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I went to the Navy to play basketball and I had a couple offers out of high school to play basketball. And I went to the Naval Academy basically because other people yeah, wanted me to go there. Up a little bit. I wanted to appease others. And I went to the Naval Academy to play and I got there and I was just like, yo, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> uh, it was as an 18 year old with no kind of desire to be in the military at the time, it was tough. And um, yeah, I was flunking out of there because I didn't have good study habits. I didn't really adopt any of those in high school. I was not, I was a fine student, but to do good in the Naval Academy, you need to be a great student. And I just wanted a regular college experience and I was probably immature and uh, I decided I, you know, I, w- I wanted to, I wanted to leave. And that was really difficult because when I decided to leave, I can just see the looks and people around in their faces. I felt like I let a lot of people down. And, you know, when you go to the academy, you're there for a year, then you basically have a commitment. And when you sign on to the commitment, you have to stay there for the rest of your time in, in college, obviously. And then you have a five-year commitment to the military after school. As an 18 year old, I'm thinking there's just no way I'm making a commitment at this point, you know, a nine year commitment when I'm 18 years old, I just want to play basketball and go to school. And so I left and I I felt like I let my parents down. My dad was real disappointed in me. That was probably the hardest part and telling them I was going to leave was tough, but I couldn't just go home. Like you're still in the military. So they shipped me to Rhode Island and I was like putting bunk beds together at this naval base, not knowing when I could go home because they had to process process me out. So that was a real difficult time too, man. I, I just, again, kind of lost. And um, it, it built a lot of strength and a lot of character. One, to make decisions on my own and to do things for myself and not always do things to appease others. But yeah, coming home after that was tough. You know, again, you leave, there's articles in the paper about you going to Navy and you got these cool pictures in the paper of you with a Navy hat on by your locker with the basketball. And then a year later, you're home and people are like, what happened? And you basically got to say, you know, I, not that you couldn't cut it, but you didn't like it. And they're looking at you sideways like you couldn't cut it, man. So it, it was it was hard, but you got to dust yourself off and figure it out. So that you know, that's what I did and ended up, you know, going to a JC and playing there and then getting a, another scholarship to play in Montana. So, you know, things worked out, but that was, that was a difficult time too. Yeah. I remember, I remember you telling me that story. It was you and a couple other guys that were out there. Yeah. All summer putting together, you know, bunk beds, not knowing when we could leave. It was, uh, it was tough. And, uh, yeah, again, at 18, life, life comes at you quick and you got to figure it out. So my family was 
look, you can do what you want, but you better get another scholarship because you let one go. So you better you better figure this out on the back end because we're not paying for school, right? Uh, and I was fortunate enough to to be able to figure it out and go play somewhere else. Appreciate that. I, that's 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 where I thought you might go with that. I didn't know um, what you what, how you initially answered the question. To be honest, so that was that was good for me to hear. Interesting for me to kind of understand where you came from, um, but also for everyone listening. Um, when you went to JUCO, um, how was that? How how was the competition at the Navy compared to you know to JUCO, and and what did that look like? Yeah, so Navy Division One high level. But JUCO wasn't bad. At, at JUCO, you have a lot of Division One bounce backs and a lot of great players who maybe didn't have the grades to go Division One right away. Maybe other players like me who were at a Division One who left and were trying to get their other opportunity. So you know, it was good, but it was also kind of a mess. I mean, we fighting in practice every day, and you know, there there were guys, and some of them were there for 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 a reason, right? Maybe they got in trouble. They had all the talent in the world, but it could be dysfunctional for sure at times. And, and then you have an ego. I mean, I had an ego. I'm like, I shouldn't be here. Like I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be at this juco. I'm too good for this. Um, But life has a way of, of humbling you. It was a nice moment of humility for me to be there because again, you're the man in high school and you're breaking records and you're in the paper. And then next thing you know, you're at a juco and you have to just realize it's, it's, it's going to take more work and this is your story and your path and you're not too good for anything. So continue to grind and, and, uh, and do what you can to, to figure it out and create a different path for yourself now. So, um, again, I, I probably wouldn't trade it. It wasn't my favorite, my favorite time, <laughs> but I learned a lot during that time as well. Was uh, would you just do one season? Yeah, I was there for a year. Would you average? Uh, to look, maybe you know the answer. 15. Look, at Juco, they don't pass the ball, so it's every man for himself. <laughs> um, so so probably 15 the, the last year I was there, the year I was there. Probably, I probably wouldn't pass the ball either if I was playing for my life. You know what I mean? That's true. And that's one thing. And I will say this, that when I talk about sports and what I learned, you know, really quickly when I was playing basketball and then you go and play in the inner city and I was fortunate enough to to come from – you know, middle class and my dad worked hard and we had what we needed, but you go out there and you play against kids where that's all they've got that they they've got to make it like they're willing to almost die for that and they need to make it. So they're putting their blood, sweat and tears into it. And you realize real quick that if I want to be successful and this is a lesson for life, I mean, if I want to be successful, I got to match that intensity. I got to, I got to want it. I got to be as hungry as they are. I got to be starving. Like they say, hungry dogs runs faster. Like they, I, you have to have that mentality. Um, and I learned it by going out in the inner city when we play in these club teams and these tournaments and playing at Juco. That's all they've got. They have no other options. So if you want to be successful, you have to match it with that same mentality. And that's what I tried to do. You try to outwork everybody because if you don't, then you'll get left behind. So that's something I've tried to carry with me, you know, through life. Um, so yeah, I mean that that that's important to me and kind of morals and you know kind of what I believe in and what I stand on. That's a that's an interesting perspective um, for everyone to hear. You know, it, you're not wrong. I mean, it, it is it is true. If you if you believe, I mean, if you if you can if you can create that that self that belief or that need or that that desire 
um, you know, where, where you're as competing as you're competing with someone who, you know, maybe doesn't have anything else to fall back on, maybe, you know, isn't going to finish their degree or maybe might never even get to college, you know, in, in some of those clubs, teams you were playing on. And if you can figure out a way to have that desire, I mean, that's probably the difference between, you know, someone that's a, a an all-star and someone that doesn't even make the league. There's probably, you know, there's surely enough talented folks running around playing pickup basketball, you know, on some of these courts in the inner city that could, that are easily good enough to play in college. So, um, or even, even beyond. So yeah, thank you for that, that perspective. That's, that's definitely a really deep, deep way to sort of perceive that time. Um, I know, I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask you anyways, love to win or hate to lose. Uh, I mean, that's, I, it's not even close for me. I hate to lose. I hate to lose. And I've always been that way. I think that I've always worked hard and tried to outwork everybody and prepared myself in a way to where I always, I expect to win. So if I win, that's great. I, I prepared to do that. But when I lose, it, it's almost unbearable. I'm not a great loser. They say, show me a good loser. I'll show you a loser, right? I'm not a great loser. And I remember as a kid, it didn't matter what it was. Like my cousin would come over and we'd play video games, Madden or double dribble. That's probably outdating a lot of folks out there, whatever, whatever it might be. If I would like, I wouldn't go to bed until I won the last game. So I'd lose a bet. We're playing again. We're playing again. And I just would not stop until I won the last game. And it probably got to a point where he would just let me win eventually because he wanted to go to sleep. But I just losing the, the losses stick with me more than the wins do. So that's just kind of how I'm wired. And those are what keep me up at night, quite honestly. But I, I hate to lose, and it's not even really particularly close for me. So, um, yeah, don't, don't, don't get me started. I could talk about that for an hour. I was, I was such a bad loser growing up, and I agree. Show me a loser, and I'll show you a loser. Or show me a good loser, and I'll show you a loser. Um, right. Vince Lombardi, and then obviously Cam Newton dropped that on everyone. I think a few years <laughs> back, but. Um, I mean, I was the worst. I mean, I, I actually, I think I was in seventh grade and I was the best player. I might've been the best player in our league. I was definitely the best player in the whole, in the whole, um, conference that I was in. And I didn't make the all-star team because my coach said that I was too poor of a sport. <laughs> was, bro, that, 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 like, that hit me pretty hard, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like to not make it like it, it was, it was, it was a, it was an all state thing too. And that, that killed that hurt I mean I, I have so many bad stories I mean I broke so many controllers playing Madden or Tiger Woods or whatever you know what I mean I'm sure you probably did too I mean even just last night like my wife went upstairs I let the dogs out and in the back room in our basement we have a papa shot and so I was playing papa shot right and it, I wasn't even I was just shooting and she walks back she's like I'm gonna beat you I'm like there's absolutely no way like I'll sit on the floor I'll sit I'll sit behind the thing and shoot it over the top like you're not gonna beat me so we have a Papa shot, we have a Pac-Man and we have an NBA jam. And so she's way better than me at Pac-Man. Like I almost refuse to play with her cause it bugs me so much. So she's like first one to five, like who can make five in a row? I think like the third or fourth time I hit, I think I hit eight or nine. And she's like, I'm like, I don't even know why we're even playing this. Right. So she's like, let's play Pac-Man. And she goes and she gets like, I think she scored like 18,000 points, which is actually a lot. And I was like, man, there's no way I'm going to win. And I was just playing, just playing. And I'm like, oh my, I might beat her. I might beat her. And she came over and kept trying to mess with me because she's pretty competitive too. And I think I, I think I beat her about like ten thousand. And she was like, <laughs> I want to run it back. And I was like, absolutely not. 
We're not That's doing it. it. I'm done. I quit. I'm Go out. To sleep. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not playing this with you ever again. My pops, when we used to play in the front yard, he would never let me win. I'd be like a kid, like a little kid. And he would like, he was way bigger. He used to back me down and score over me. And I'd be screaming and crying. And my mom would look at him like, what are you doing? And he just would never let me win. It made me tougher. But um, I, I hated I hated to lose. I'd keep wanting to play. He just never let me win. And then eventually when I was able to beat him, um, it felt good, but didn't hurt as much as those losses. So, um I think we're cut from the same cloth there. And I think, you know, me and you, our, our relationship is rooted in obviously friendship, hard work, and both having the mentality of just, you know, hating hating to lose so bad that it kind of drives us. So I've always been able to relate with you on that level. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's funny. Uh, I, I got one comment to that. But before that, she brought up how she, she claims that, like, before we moved back to D.C., she she bought, like, one of those little, you know, the, they, they remade those Nintendos. Like the mm-hmm. little the, the, NES, yeah. And so we played, uh, we were playing uh, Pac-Man on that. And and um, and she said that I hired like a, an ASU student to come over to my house to beat her because I beat her high score of all time. And what I did is I went on YouTube and I was watching these videos on how to beat like board one, two, and three, and four, or whatever it was perfectly. So it was just like a pattern that you would do. And I practiced it so much that one day when she was like, she was on a trip, like visiting her family in San Diego. And like, I sat there for like six hours one Sunday and just got it to the point where I was like watching the YouTube, watch the YouTube, watch the YouTube. And then I would eventually do it. And then I like beat her and I was like, you're never going to beat the score ever. And it's like, she was still, she still doesn't believe that that's what happened. She thought but, you hired somebody. You gotta have, yeah, gotta dude, do it. Dude, there's no way. But also, um, let me ask you the, the first time I rode with you, you let me, you let me beat you in horse or did I actually beat you. Oh man, I'd like to say I let you beat me. It wasn't my finest day. No, I'm not gonna sit up here and lie. You know, I could. I'm not gonna sit here and lie, but I wasn't. I wasn't happy. I was. I was pissed that day, and I tried to keep it inside. But uh, yeah, for everybody on this call, Matt beat me in horse. And listen, let me just say, by the way, he was on a. He was on like it was ridiculous. He was on fire. It was the most insane they had ever seen. And I was, I was so pissed. I couldn't believe it. You know, I'm this college basketball player. I got my manager riding with me and this guy beat me in horse. And uh, I think I just dropped you off at your hotel after that. I can't remember, but it might've been uh, twice. Was it only, it might've been twice. I, I don't know. Don't push it. I think don't, it might've I'll been. End the, I'll end this podcast. Um, <laughs> I think I was shooting one handed free throws and stuff like that though. You were like taking real yeah. shots. I was doing like one hand free throw or whatever. Yeah. You had a day. You had you definitely to, had a day. So I, I, I know the court. Uh, and I, I remember that vividly. And I'm, not, I'm not beating you in a three-point contest, even though that's what I was best at. I'm not beating you I got to get that. my look back, man. So we got to – we got to – I forgot about that. We got to play. I, I got – revenge is on my mind now. Thanks for bringing that up. So we're going to play next time I see you. I picked up a basketball yesterday, went to the gym, and I've been playing a lot of tennis and like I tried to log on to the app to reserve a tennis court and it was like broken. So I went and they were all full. So I started, I hadn't shot a basketball probably since like May or June. No, maybe even, maybe May. I don't know. And I, and I was on fire yesterday. I wish, I wish I was playing you yesterday, but you know how that goes when you haven't shot in a while. That means if I go play today, it'll be, it'll be bad. No um, doubt. I'll see you. Yeah, we got to do it, man. The, I'll see the, you again. Yeah, we got, we got to do it. I'm excited to do that again. For sure. Um, that's the, probably the only thing I could beat you in basketball related if I could even beat you. I'm all old now. I don't move like you do, man. I'm um, old too. Yeah, I guess you're like a year older than me. 
Um, yeah, I am. And that's what that's what motivates me. Do you know they say Father Time is undefeated, but I'm trying to like every morning when I wake up, yeah, I think to myself, Father Time's gonna win, but it's not gonna be today. So I, I try to, you know, every day try to, you know, be better and try to do something physically that I wasn't able to do in my twenties. So that 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 keeps me going, man. I yeah, I'm forty one years old, so we're gonna we're gonna keep riding this wave. It's not gonna get me. So I mean, we'll see how long I can I can keep it at bay. I mean, you see what uh, I mean? Obviously, Tom Brady won a Super Bowl at forty five, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's funny when I was at the at the Patrick Bet David meeting, and, and and I think I mentioned this on Doctor Pate's podcast, but he kept drilling Tom Brady like, "Hey, you had six. Belichick had six. Jordan had six. Like, what was your motivation for number seven? And he was like, "I just wanted to play till I was forty five. And he's like, "If it was one percent of the motivation, is it Jordan or Belichick?" And he wouldn't answer. Had to be Belichick, but had to. An answer had to be. Um, um, speaking of that, um, you know, I'm going to ask you. Obviously, we have Cristiano Ronaldo at 38. Dominic, like he's he's leading the world in goals this year for, for club and country at 38. And obviously, that's a different sport, man. That's like I mean, you're you're a marathon runner in the in, in that sport, right? You're running you know five seven miles a game. Uh, are you taking Messi or are you taking Ronaldo? Gun to your head, you got a dude, you know, one shot. To, to, to save your life, who are you taking? I got to go Ronaldo. I know you're going to love that. I got to go Ronaldo. I'm not going to act like I'm some savant of uh, knowing soccer. I, I know a little bit, but I think when you, when you look at statistically and, and what they've been able to accomplish, both amazing things, but just eye test for me, the more seems like explosive player, um, I'm, I'm going Ronaldo. Plus, he's got a little swag to him. So, um, gun to head, um, putting the ball and, you know, giving it to Ronaldo and seeing if he could if he could make it happen. You have to. You have to. And that's another thing for me, too. Like, it's just – he's just just kind of a G. And the other one's kind of like I, – I, I wouldn't <laughs> want to hang out with that guy. So, it's like – you know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't yeah, want to hang out with that guy. He's in Miami now, though. He's got some money. He might be fun to hang out with. Who knows? But yeah. – uh, I'll take the yeah, guy man. in Saudi Arabia and Riyadh. We can go over no there. Doubt. That's supposed to be the next Dubai, by the way. Um, there's a guy I know in DC that owns a couple of restaurants there, and he and he's from Morocco. And he told me that there's a bunch of people that are like selling their restaurants and selling their their businesses in Dubai and going to open in Riyadh. Is that the guy I met? Uh, yeah, you actually did meet Hamza. Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah. yeah, I actually think I actually think they're opening a Carbone there in Riyadh. There may be one in Dubai too. Um, but like Jacob just opened to Riyadh too. So, I mean, everything's going there. It's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, I, I got I want to get out there and see it. Um, this is a, this is a tough one for you because I mean, I know you still got that Miami heat doormat. Ah, I know you do. A question. <laughs> so being honest, man, we're going uh, Jordan or LeBron. Ooh, I like this one. All right. Listen, Jordan's the goat. So I'm going Jordan. I grew up, anybody that knows me, I had the Jordan pajamas. My whole wall was plastered with Jordan. He's, I feel like the best competitor of sports has ever seen. But only three things in life are certain. It's death taxes and Todd Tomlinson is going to defend LeBron James. So there's not going to be any LeBron slander <laughs> on this pod today. I heard you and Cody Pope talking about LeBron last pod. This is what I will say. So Jordan is the GOAT. But when it comes to LeBron, the reason why 
have so much admiration for LeBron James is you think of pressure and what people do under pressure. And pressure is a privilege, right? If 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 you are in a pressure-filled situation, you've earned the right to be in that situation. So it's a privilege. So you can either accept it and step up to the challenge or fold under it, right? Pressure makes diamonds or bust pipes. LeBron, nobody, there's not been an athlete on earth who has had more expectations or more on their shoulders from a young age than LeBron James. Think about it, man. The chosen one, cover Sports Illustrated at like 18 years old, and he has met every expectation, all-time leading score in the NBA, and without a blemish off the court. Yeah, you can talk about the decision and he flops and you might think he's corny, but never gotten in trouble. He's done it the right way. He's a beast, man. So Jordan's the GOAT. LeBron is my number two. And I'll go – no one's asking, but I'll go Kobe three. Yeah, I think Kobe. Just for good measure, I'm going Steph four. So there you go. That's higher than I would put him. Steph? Yeah, probably. I don't know. Nah, I have he's, a hard time. I have a hard time. He's um, the no, most talented player I've ever seen in my life as far as just pure skill and talent. And coming – I mean to cut you off, but coming from basketball players, shooting the basketball is the most technical thing there is in the sport of basketball. And uh, I think Ray Allen said – uh, God will give you a lot of things, but he won't give you. Uh, he won't give you a jump shot. Only hard work will do that. People aren't born shooters. You can think what you want, but that only comes from hard work. And there are people who are big and athletic, and that's God given. But what Steph does is just pure skill, hard work, repetition. I was a shooter, so I can, I can relate. Not relate to how good he is, but I'm just saying I can relate to you know the skill of shooting the basketball and watching him is just. It's next level, so that's why I put him for. Okay. for. For all the listeners, before I comment on Todd's LeBron answer, go on YouTube and type in Todd Tomlinson. I think it was like a recruiting video or something. I remember looking at it when uh, when I was going to interview you. I Google. I usually Google everyone, and I found your recruiting video. I think it was one that you might have made, and you're just drilling threes from the top of the key. It almost yeah. it, your your form was so um, almost like Clay Thompson ish, where it's the same every time. Like Steph shoots and you know, a million different positions, like different balance and things like that. You were shooting. It looked like they were taking the same shot and just playing it over and over again. You know what I mean? That but was, it, was, it, was, it was way before you could edit a video like that, though. So I know it was real. Thank you. That's before the iPhone, bro. That was, I had a tripod, a borrow. A, I remember someone like a, a coach had asked me to put something together real quick. I had to borrow a video camera and get the keys to the, the gym in high school. And yeah, that, that's funny. It's still up there. So you had a little beat going on in the background, too, if I remember. Yeah, you couldn't really edit like you could now. I had to figure out how to do that. And trust me, if anybody, it's not HD. So it's, it's, it's old. So it's, yeah, should probably so take that down. I, I would say like the only, like the most positive thing I would say about LeBron you touched on. I mean, I didn't even think about, I guess, obviously the, the expectations too, of course. Right. I mean, he also calls himself the king, which is kind of strange. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I'll leave that be. Um, but, you know, he, he had, he had, I mean, he was driving a yellow Hummer when he was 16. Like he had expectations like everybody, you know what I mean? Like it, he wasn't allowed to come in and be Kobe where he had like a couple years where he, I mean, Kobe didn't start. Kobe wasn't, you know, didn't, didn't make an impact. But the, the interesting thing about him is, especially in this day and age, you know, where he's been prominent, maybe the last 10 years of social media, like he hasn't done anything stupid. He hasn't gotten yeah. in trouble. There wasn't a rumor or anything of anything that he did. I mean, obviously like he has, you know, Every time he's reading a book, it's on the first page. They ask him a question. He doesn't have an answer. It's like, that's stupid. But he didn't get in trouble. Like, he could have been in a lot of trouble. You know what I mean? So, 
that's true. I'll, I'll give him that. I mean, I'll give him that. Like, you know, obviously Jordan got in what Jordan got into before there was any people that could even catch him, you know? Yeah. So imagine, yeah. like, I always think, like, if Messi, Messi's more talented than Ronaldo. If Messi had Ronaldo's work ethic, what would that look like? What if, Le, what if Jordan had LeBron's work ethic? Or LeBron's, like, you know, character from a, from a you know, personal, personal standpoint. Like, he wasn't going to go play 36 holes of golf and drink and then go play a game, right? You know? No doubt. So I'd be interested to see that. And obviously Kobe 3, I mean, I, I, I can live with that. And Steph 4, I mean, it's, it's just tough. And maybe it's because he's small. You know, so I kind of take that into consideration. Like, obviously, when I see those, like, start, like, who would you, who would you, you know, cut? And there's, like, Steph, Magic, LeBron, you know, I don't know, uh, KD, Carmelo, whoever. And I'm just looking at Steph, and he's just so much smaller than all of them. And it's like, he can't really, he plays a lot better defense. Even, like, I was watching the game two nights ago. He just moves his feet so well at his age. Like, he's not going to stop anyone. He's not, he's stronger than he used to be. He's not stronger than anyone. But, I mean, he moves his feet so well. I mean, you know, so his cardio, obviously, you know, he works out after games and stuff, which is just crazy. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I respect that answer. I'm not going to, I'm not going to dog it. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. Uh, but eye tests. Yeah. Watching Steph is, is a joy. It's really, it's remarkable watching what he does. So uh, if I had to pick the four, those would be, uh, those would be the four and probably Iverson at five, which is crazy to people, That's but crazy, Iverson is like my hero girl growing up, he, I mean, you know, it's, you know him and like he was a Georgetown. Oh, we were the same year. He was at Georgetown. My sentence when I was in seventh grade. That was when he went off in the tournament. That was his sophomore year, which was his last year. He went off in that tournament. Him and Victor Page. Victor Page. Yeah, Victor he, Page. he didn't pan he out. But good. Iverson was like my hero, um, coming up through high school and stuff. I wanted to be just like him at the time. So we're we're getting way off topic here, but it doesn't really matter. I don't think. I mean Iverson. I mean maybe the single greatest thing outside of Dallas winning their championship was, I mean, winning a game against Kobe and Shaq, 2000, what, one, two, one, 2000 2001 finals. One. Yeah. Where you stepped over Ty Lue. One game one and over your boy Ty Lue. Yeah. Yeah. How could I forget? Those are the moments that live in infamy, man. Those are the things that inspire me. It's crazy. Like sports, there can be moments that just inspire you like forever. And that shot, for whatever reason, I thought it was just like the coldest thing and it, it inspired me so much. And it's just like, Oh, that was so, that was so sick. Um, it was amazing. And I think of that Jordan shot, things like that, just, they, 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 they stay with you. And then that, that shot in that game, honestly inspired me um, a whole lot. Yeah, the Jordan, the Jordan shot was crazy. I, you know, what shot I like better than the 98 bulls, 98 bulls against the jazz was the, one that he hit against Craig Elo where he flew across the lane. Bulls mm -hmm. win it. They fist win pump. it. They win it. And he like fist, fist pump. I don't know why yeah. I remember that one the most, man. I love that one. Um, I also love the st shot Steph hit. And I think it was either single or double overtime. It was on a Saturday night in 2000. And I think late, two I think 2015 season where he hit that. Like it was like two thirds of a court off the, off the glass against OKC. To win the oh, game, yeah. Where it's like, mm -hmm. why are you even shooting that shot? There's still like four seconds left. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, I love I was that. In Vegas. I remember I was in Vegas and I was at a dinner and I saw that shot. Um, you know, it's funny. And this, this conversation is funny because you talk about us going off topic. And I remember when you, in the first day I met you, when I, when you interviewed me at the Hilton, I was there for an interview, but our conversation kind of went this way. And instead about the job, it kind of turned into this and how much we had in common. 
And I was about to take a job with another company, Smith and Nephew. I'd landed from an interview with Smith and Nephew and they had offered me and I told them I was going to let them know in the morning. And we had the conversation and it went left kind of like this. We talked sports and I just, at that time, like I can, I can work for this guy. And that, that night and that conversation basically changed my life. Cause at that time I didn't take that job. I took the job with Intellis and Intellis changed my life. And because of that job, I'm here. And it's just funny how, how things work. And the way this conversation has gone was the exact way our conversation, the first day we met went. And, um, you know, it's just life comes full circle. It's, it's pretty, no, it's pretty amazing. It just made me think of that when, when you said that. So, yeah, that is true. We, we probably talked for, I don't know, let's call it an hour. And there was probably like one interview question. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. and not a lot of interviews do that. Like I make my mind up pretty quick, but I'm usually not going to do that. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, you're, you're spot on. That's exactly how it went. Um, so we're at like, I asked a couple more questions. Um, if you could interview one person that are alive, who would it be? And what would you ask them? Oh man, that's a tough one. Dead or alive. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. Like if I could interview one person, and I'm not sure if it was one thing I would, one particular thing I would ask them, but I'll probably just try to gain knowledge just from my grandmother. And the reason why I said that is I don't deal with a lot of like regrets in life, but if I had to go back and give myself advice, like when I was younger, it'd probably to, to spend more time speaking to like my grandparents and my family, because, you know, when you're older and you're in college, you're, you're in college and you're probably thinking, you know, you're older and your grandparents don't need you anymore and they, they, they don't care. But in reality, they're probably at home wondering why you haven't called them and wishing you would pick up the phone and call them. You know, instead of, you know, you're, you're out at a party talking to people you're probably never going to talk to again. And, you know, the, the, there's just so much knowledge that my and my grandfather, my grandma was like the, you know, the patriarch of, of my family. And she, every Sunday at, at two o'clock, it was dinner at grandma's and I wish I could just, you know, you know, pick her brain and continue to talk to her. I'm like where, you know, that that came from. She was so giving. I wish I was like her in a lot more ways. And I just wish I would have spent more time, honestly. So when, when you asked me that question, that was the first thing I thought about is I wish I could spend more time talking to my grandma and I wish I would have done it, you know, more when she was around and I regret not doing it. Um, I guess the more, I know commercial answer. I would love to talk to Kobe. He he was a competitor, and since he's not here anymore, his his work ethic and his drive is second to none. I watch videos of him just to get get inspired, and I would just like to to learn more about you know where that drive came from, and just hear about the battles that he had in the playoffs and as a leader and and the things he did. I think it would be cool to sit down with him and talk to him. So. It's a loaded answer, probably not exactly what you were looking for because I don't have one question, but you know, those are the two people, if I could go back in time or have a, you know, sit down, those are the two people I'd probably pick. Well, that's a super honest answer. I mean, I, 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 that resonates with me too. Obviously, you know, a little bit about my granddad and I, so um, that does resonate with me. So I appreciate that. And then I do feel like, even though we don't, we, we don't deserve anything, but we were robbed, man. Like everyone was robbed by not being able to really under like learn about Kobe. 
like, you know, he was just getting finished with his career, obviously, you know, coaching his daughters and working on his production company and things like that, like over the next like 20 years or maybe 20 years since then. So that's probably what 2019 that happened. Um, I think um, I remember exactly where I was sitting, um, you know, from 2019 to 2040, imagine what we would have got the gold we would have got from him, whether it was on podcasts, interviews, um, just, just things that he would have done, you know, appearances, whatever. I mean, we got, we, there's a lot in there that nobody really gets to, to know. So that's probably one of the saddest things, just, mm-hmm. just that what we, what the, you know, a 15 year old kid in five years would have got right. said that would have changed the course of their life. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? hundred percent. And yeah, go back and look at, and he was doing podcasts and stuff and all the knowledge and the cool things that you'd learn from those. And again, to your point, if he was around, we would have got so much more. So I think it'd be cool to sit down and, just have a list of questions that I could ask him, um, you know, cause he was more than just a basketball player. Right. So he had um, won an Oscar and he was doing all these different things and he was just a smart guy. So yeah, yeah I think that would be, that would, that would have been cool. I, I would suggest to anyone listening and you too, if you haven't watched the interview that he did with Patrick bet David, that was one of his last ones. If you haven't watched that, you got to watch that. I mean, that's, he's just so honest and funny. I mean, he's just, just, it's so good. It's so good. And, and PVD is a giant Lakers fan. So it's just, it's just, it's a, it's a good interaction there. A um, couple more. Um, oh, what, what, what's, what's your biggest fear? Oh, um, well, I think the an obvious answer is, is losing people close to me. You know, that, that's always a fear, you know, time is finite and, you know, there's going to be a day where, you know, the people around you aren't going to be around anymore. Um, but also it's not living up to, to my potential that, that potential just means you haven't done it yet. Right. So it's never about like what people are capable of. I'm around people every day and I know a bunch of friends and my whole life around people who are capable, but that means nothing. Um, the world's full of people who are capable, uh, but it's what you're willing to do. You can be capable, but are you willing to do what it takes to get it? And I just want to make sure that every day. Uh, I'm doing what it takes and I'm willing to do anything. So, you know, I'll sacrifice sleep. Yeah. I just want to make sure I'm doing everything I can to, to be successful that way. And it's all said and done. People can look at me and say, you know, he did everything and he, he became what he was supposed to become and he left no stone unturned. And so, you know, I have a fear of not reaching where, where I'm supposed to be and we get one life. So you can't, there, there are no do-overs. Um, I don't believe in do-overs anyway, but you, there are, you don't get do-overs here. So th- those are my, my two greatest fears probably. So that keeps me going though. It gets me up in the morning, right? So that, that's a good motivator and it keeps me excited for, for new days and new opportunities. So I'd say those two things. It's pretty interesting how, like I would have answered the question the same way. Um, obviously, you know, whether it's friends or family, you know, people, people that are super impactful to you, having them not be there, especially if it's sudden. I mean, that's something that you, you know, you sit around and think about because you can't control it. You have no control at all. And you may get a call. I haven't looked at my phone since we've done this. You just never know what happens right. when I turn it back on. So um, and to the second point, the problem with that question is, or that answer, and I have the same answer, is it evolves. Like, and it's not, it's not reaching some peak because you're never going to reach whatever you're trying to get. Every, you know, every year, every time something good happens, that, that, that goalpost moves. And that's the real problem. You no can't doubt. reach it because you're never going to get there. 
You're never going to get there. You can become Elon Musk, but suddenly you're still not the guy that did this, right? Like whatever it is, you just can't, you know, the, the, the goalpost keeps moving. Just, so, and that's why, and that's why it keeps going, man. It, it reminds me of like, obviously I don't think Joe Paterno was a great guy by any stretch, but it's super interesting that he coached for however many years he coached. And then right after they took it away from him, he died. It's like his whole purpose in life was gone. Mm-hmm. So like, that scares me. Like, what if one day I wake up and I'm like, I don't really have this anymore. Like, there's no drive left. Like, what do you do? Am I going to go play golf every day? Am I going to like, you know what I mean? Built that way. That, yeah. Not for me, man. I'm just not. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Built that way at all. No, but as you, yeah. As you receive blessings in life, accomplishments, wins, success, to your point, your appetite grows. Um, and that's all right. You, it, it should be that way. To your point, there's not a mountaintop where you get it and you're like, I've made it. Um, and you know, it should be that way. You can you should continue to strive for more for yourself, for the people around you, for your family. Um, so that, yeah, I guess that's a good thing. Cause you know, if there was the goalpost was stationary or there was a mountaintop, you know, again, to your point, once you get there, then what? So, um, you're not built that way. I know I'm not built that way. So, um, there's always going to be something to drive us. And, uh, to me, that's what life's about. So I have some buddies that like, can't wait till they retire. And I'm just like, for like when you retire, like you're, I don't want to say you're close to, to death, but I mean, you're a lot closer for one. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, it's to me, that's just, I don't know. I'm just, it just doesn't resonate with me. Um, it just, it just, I don't know, man. It just, it, it kind of, I have a hard time with that because it's just like, you know, they're like, well, once I get enough money saved up, I'm just going to stop working. And it's just, there's gotta be a greater purpose there, man. There's actually this, um, this this song that's coming out on the the new Gashi album, where he talks about it's called the good old days, and he talks about how some he wishes somebody would have told him that these were the good old days, you know, mm-hmm. that like right yep. now are the good old days, and you're just like you got to live in the moment, and you got to like you got to you got to remember it, and you got to you got to be in it, and you got to think about like you know where you're going and things like that. So it's a super interesting perspective um, to have because I I kind of think they're always the good old days. I mean, obviously, like to your point, until it's changed my life, I wouldn't be sitting here at all. Had I not taken that job or had I not, you know, moved across the country when I did or had I never met, you know, Dr. Khanna or whatever happens. Um, there's so many things like that could have happened for me not to be sitting exactly where I am now, um, you know. And, and so I always like to think th- those were the good old days, but and, and these are, too. So it's just it's just a perspective to have. And I just don't ever think there's a time where I could just do nothing. Wake up, play golf, you know, play tennis. And, and I just I don't know. It's just I don't think I, I would. I can tell I don't you think why. I yeah, no, I, you you couldn't do it. And I could tell you why. Look, I'm forever indebted to you, to people like Tom, Brandon, obviously Nick Bingy. And I think like what has brought me joy and what, what brings you joy is, you know, changing and impacting others, right? And in a positive way and the lives you impacted, you know, through this company and helping people and changing people's lives. And once you retire, you kind of remove yourself. You just, you're just kind of living for yourself at that point a lot of times. So with, with this, with this company, I know you've done it for, for a ton of people and, you know, people that I've hired, that's what's brought me joy and what has brought purpose really to, to my life. When it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? I want people to be able to sit, a lot of people to be like, he impacted my life in this way. So as long as we're still working and doing things, we can impact people. I feel like, you know, if you're retiring and playing golf, you're no longer having that kind of impact, you know, for people. So I know for you, I don't want to speak for you, but I know that's, that that's important to you sure as hell is important to me. So as long as I can breathe, as long as my heart's still beating, 
um, that's going to be a, a focus of mine. So that's why I could probably never just, I don't know, play golf, play chess all day, watch shows, whatever it might be. I, I got to do something that's helping people. Um, so that that's important. I, I know it's important to you too. So yeah, no, I agree. I mean, that, that's the point. Um, the more, the more success you have and the more opportunities and blessings you have, the more opportunity you have to help other people achieve those. So, I mean, that's, that's sort of kind of my, my thing now. I mean, I, I enjoy that more than anything. So I appreciate your perspective there. Um, I guess I'll turn it to you. If there's any questions you want to ask before we wrap up, it's because we're a little over an hour and I think we could probably go for five or six, but probably yeah. shouldn't probably shouldn't do that to everyone. So um, if you have anything, you know, feel free. Well, obviously I can talk to you for hours about questions and picking your brain. That's part of the reason I, I joined this company, you know, in the first place, but you know, for you, obviously this podcast, what episode is this five? I think it's yes, five, five. Um, you know, what, what are you hoping to, to this podcast d does for people? Yeah, if, like it's larger picture. It's such a cool thing, such a cool concept. And maybe it's not one thing, but what are you hoping this podcast does? I mean, I, I mean, candidly, the, the initial reason that I, or the initial thought I had was, you know, when we got people together at these meetings, we got to know each other and people really enjoy that. And I know there's not a great way to do that outside of, you know, being in person. But my initial thought was, what if there's a way that we could just chat with people all over the country and let everyone hear it? Um, and, and as that developed and started happening, you know, I'd have people that, you know, we used to work with or someone that I haven't talked to in years, shoot me a text and be like, Hey, I just listened to that podcast. You know, that was really cool. Now I sort of understand better what you're doing. So I think it's, you know, it could help with the, with the ENT community to understand what we're doing. Um, could help with other, with docs that are maybe thinking about potentially coming on and joining or whether it's physician assistants, nurse practitioners, or anyone else, or maybe even just, you know, people that are super passionate about what we're doing. It'll help the people that they know understand why they're so passionate. I mean, I think there's a lot of different things that could come from it, but my initial one was just giving everyone an opportunity to get to know each other in, in a different way. Uh, or even for the folks that don't come to the meetings, just because, you know, there's so many folks now. So yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but. No, it does. It does. Well, what's keeping you up at night these days? Man. Ah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I, I'm always like, I, I live in a world of, of, um, what's the word? Um, uh, I, I don't, I don't necessarily always think about, I'm, I'm, it's one of those times where I'm missing my term. One of those things where I'm, you know, always celebrating how great everything is. Yeah. Always looking at, you know, what do we miss? Where could we have improved? You know, what, what could we have done better opening that clinic? What, you know, what are we missing here? So I'm always looking at that, that opportunity cost is what I was looking for. So whether that's healthy or not, you know, healthy paranoia, what we used to call it, I suppose, but it, it, I live in that world of like, what could we have done better? How, how do we improve? How do we not miss that next time? So that's sort of what I think about, you know, when I wake up and it's probably twice a week where I'll wake up at two 30 in the morning and like my mind's just racing. And I just know there's no way I'm going back to sleep right now. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's usually what's on my mind is something like that. You know, makes sense. Are we growing too fast? Are we not growing fast enough? You know, those kind of things. So let me ask you this a couple more for you. So I think everybody within breathe free knows you from breathe free and from, from the company and, and everything, but what are some personal goals you have for yourself? I don't know. Call it over 
whatever, the, the next year, two years outside of, outside of breathe free. We all know you have goals for, for, for the, you know, the company, but what are some personal goals you have for yourself? Oh, that's a, that's, that's a deep one. Um, I want to work towards starting a, a personal podcast. Um, I don't exactly know what the shape of it will look like, but talking about things from sports to politics to just anything related to you know fashion, anything music, anything related to stuff that guys you know would talk about if we were sitting around the barbershop, things like that. Um, that's that's on my mind. I actually, I've been looking at a couple th- spaces to have because in this one I'd want to do them in person, so you'd have to have like a little bit you know some kind of studio or something like that. So I'm looking at something for that. Um, you know, another thing I've been thinking about is starting a charity for, for some, something that has to do with animals. Um, I don't know if it would be, you know, in a specific area or a specific animal type or maybe ones with a certain disease state or something like that. I'm not sure. But a, a way to, you know, do something cool to help, you know, what, what animal and ch- animals and children are the things that can't really help themselves. Obviously, there's some adults that can't help themselves, too. But for the most part, I mean, you know, an animal gets, you know, a dog breaks out of its it's, it's backyard and it's just on the street. Like it, it doesn't have like reasoning skills to really understand what's happening. Same with the cat. So something that has to do with animals, I'd really like to put, put together a way. And obviously it'll never be perfect and you can't protect all of them. But if there was a way we could save some of them, I mean, I think that would be super impactful to me, you know, really impactful. Um, and that's sort of like when you think about, you know, what's your legacy going to be? Like, I hope people think that I helped them. I hope people think that I like that I was genuine in, in the things that I say and do. And, and I hope that I can help a lot of animals and I'm not really going to get, you don't really, they're not, they can't really thank you except for the ones you have the way that, you know, they, you can see how they're progressing and you know, how they're like in a good spot and how they're happy and how they love you and stuff like that. But you, you can't really, you know, they're not going to thank you, you know, necessarily directly. So that's that, those are two things that have sort of been on my mind recently. Um, you know, I want to, I want to commit to, to like, to my health as well. You know, I've been, as, as you know, taking different peptides and things like that, obviously running labs as much as possible every, every three months, trying to see if anything, you know, any markers or anything like that come out. Cause obviously you can't buy time. Father time's undefeated. Time is finite, but if there's something you could catch ahead of time and, and mitigate it a little bit and add some more time and, and some more quality time to your life. So there's something out that's, that's another thing that I've, that recently that I've been working on, you know, all, all different types of protein shakes with all different types of nutrients and things that you would have never put in your body. Like what, what what's in these things? Flax seeds, uh, what is it? Sea moss, sea moss. Um, dude, I don't even know what else is in the stuff that, that you know, puts in these protein shakes, but I mean, it's all these weird things and it's just, I know that they're going to help you. I mean, there's so many advancements in modern health and just being on the forefront and taking advantage of those that as young as possible. Cause obviously if we were 20 right now, things that would exist in 20 more years, I mean, would, would keep us alive 20 more years. So, you know, just trying to do everything I can from that standpoint. Awesome. No doubt. I got one more for you. Um, obviously, I've known you for a while, so I know how much your, your granddad meant to you and all the stories and life lessons that he taught you were awesome. I know he was, you know, a huge reason you are who you are today. Um, so, uh, you know, aside aside from him, maybe what's another person that you looked up to? Um, yeah, I know he's number one, but who who's someone else who you kind of looked up to who helped shape you, whether it was someone in your family or an athlete? Um, Nick, who was kind of the people you looked to, up to when you were growing up? 
Yeah, that's interesting, man. I was, that's a good question. You know, you always wanted, I mean, obviously my mom did a lot of like pretty much everything for me, right? Because, you know, I saw my dad like once or twice a year at most um, growing up and it wouldn't be for a long time. And he wasn't involved in things like that. I mean, we could do a two hour podcast on that. Um, but, you know, my mom was there always like doing pretty much everything for us. I mean, she wasn't perfect by any stretch, but it was definitely a tough situation. So, I mean, I always looked for a male role model and I just never really had one. I, and honestly didn't see my granddad that much. He was just, when I, when I did see him, he had, you know, stories for me or, you know, questions that I could ask where he could give a really, you know, beneficial, impactful answer um, to help me understand sort of kind of the way I should guide myself and my thoughts and things like that. And I just really didn't. Um, I mean, I love Bo when I was a kid. Bo gets hurt. Love Penny. Yeah. Penny gets hurt. They all kind of got hurt. I love Jordan, but I mean, I was still like, you know, Jordan was sort of became popular when we were like, what, 12 years old, you know, 10, 12 years old. So, um, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, I didn't really have anyone um, outside of him. And then when he kind of, I mean, he had a stroke and sort of kind of lost his way a little bit. Um, you know, uh, Ronaldo, I mean, just watching him, I mean, he put probably propelled me through, you know, a lot of some hard things that happened between like 2013 and, you know, maybe, I mean, still really not as much now the last few years, but um, just his work ethic and how he overcame everything. And he just, you know, every, you know, all the things that he went through. I mean, I think, I think like that, and, it, and it's probably, you know, a little bit cliche to be, to be honest. And it's kind of weird to not have a better answer than that. Um, but I just, there wasn't really anyone. I mean, I really could have used that. Like, that's something that like, you know, I can't go back and fix it. And I'll tell you, if I had someone in that seat when I was, you know, in my early teens and my teenage years and then high school and stuff, I pro I would obviously be in a way better spot, but I don't know if I would be cut the same way I am if I did have that. And I didn't have the things that I had to overcome and I didn't have to like figure out so many different things on my own, you know? So it's yeah. kind of a catch, it's catch 22. Cause if I had great advice and I had someone that helped me and I had someone that made me do things, you know, I would have been in a better spot early, early on, like to your point, 2004, 2005, they were, they were tough for you. You know, you had a, you had a great situation too, but it's different. I think when you come from a life of, you know, where basketball is number one and now you have to figure that out, that didn't really happen to me. I mean, I got hurt young and I don't know if baseball would have went there anyways, but um, you know, it was pretty rough for me coming out of college and just like trying to figure out what to do. And so if I had some good advice, my life would have been better in my twenties than it than it was, but I don't think it would have been as good and as appreciated. And I would have, I don't know if I would have pushed it the way that I did and it worked as hard as I did. Um, if everything was, it was already comfortable, you know what I mean? No doubt. So, yeah. That was a long winded answer and I didn't really answer your question, but we at did. the same time, you know, that's, that's one thing I think about a lot. Like, would I be where I was if I had, you know, someone in that role in my life? You know, I don't know. So, all right. Last question then. Favorite, favorite album so far this year. Oh man. They're all trash. Um, yeah, you, you got one. Morgan Wallen. All right. The fair only, enough. The only country album I've ever liked in my life. Um, fair enough, man. You're changing. Yeah. It's okay. It, it's it, it, it. Wait till this, wait till this, uh, Gashy album, Brooklyn Cowboy comes out. It's so good. That's what I, that's what I thought you'd dude, say. Dude, it's not out yet. I still haven't. Yeah. And I still haven't. And I still haven't listened to, um, to uh for all the dogs because oh, yeah, i got that listen that's my guy I, it's growing on I, me so there you go i got his album 
the day before that came out, I listened to the first four songs and it's just like, everyone said it's so bad. So I still haven't listened to it yet. I'm still listening. I actually have like five other unreleased songs that he sent me. Um, one of which is like a different version of an old one. One's one that he said he'd never play. One's one where he's featured on it. And it's so, it's so good. It's, it, it, I, I think the other, the person, the artist that he did it with will drop it after his album drops. I mean, that one, but I've been listening to this thing on repeat for, I don't know, ever since Drake came out, like a, over a month. And I, and I can't, I can't put it down. I haven't listened to anything else. And, and but, I'm a little bit of a homer, but this thing is, yeah. it, it's going to go, man. So well, the, the songs, you know, I, I just know he's a, he's a talented dude. So looking forward to hearing that when that drops for sure. Yeah. It's going to so. be fire. Gonna be yeah, fire. Hopefully, first, hopefully, first single will be out before Thanksgiving. We'll see. Here we go. Here we go. The, the breathe free anthem. It is. The boy so Gashi. Uh, I, mean, I, I got to get him to record one. Maybe he'll do something for us. He needs to. We might he just see to. him in April. Who knows? Who knows? There it is. Who knows? Is. Working on it. All right, man. We're not going to ask you questions all day. So just know I go. appreciate you and appreciate the, uh, the opportunities you afforded me. Again, I'm forever indebted. Um, for, for these opportunities and we'll continue to, you know, to, to work my tail off to, uh, you know, to, to help you in any way I can, brother. So thanks for having me on. This was awesome. Yeah, no, dude, I appreciate you. Obviously you always crush it. Um, and you know, it, we got a lot more, we got a lot more to do. Um, so I appreciate your time. I appreciate your candor, your honesty, you got deep, um, gave us some really real answers. Um, so thank you again, Todd, for coming on. Um, Appreciate everything. And um, again, right before uh, we finish up here, if you could please leave us some reviews, let us know what you think. Follow us on wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And, um, you know, just want to thank Todd again. And that's a wrap for uh, on another episode of the Brief Free Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Can't wait to catch you guys on the next one. Go Jets. Go Jets.